It's Philosophy Talk. If you only knew the power of the dark side. Matter and energy, the dark side. Why does dark matter matter? Did you know that all the matter we've observed accounts for only 5% of the total universe? Where's the rest of it? Anger, fear, aggression, the dark side of the force are they. Easily they flow, but to join you in a fight. Is dark matter just a theory or a fact? By definition, you can't see dark matter or dark energy, so how do we know it's really there? You don't know the power of the dark side. Is dark matter God's way of marking things confidential? I'll never turn to the dark side. Our guest is Priya Natarajan from Yale University. Matter and energy, the dark side. Give yourself to the dark side. Coming up on Philosophy Talk. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're here at the studios of KALW in San Francisco. We're continuing conversations that begin at Stanford University at Philosopher's Corner. That's where Ken teaches philosophy, and I did for 40 years. Today, we're thinking about matter and energy. We're calling it the dark side. It's part of our series, A Philosophical Guide to the Cosmos. A weird and wonderful cosmos, Ken. Take all the ordinary objects you can see, from tables and chairs to the stars and planets. All that is less than 5% of the total mass energy of the cosmos. And the other 95% is invisible stuff, like dark matter and dark energy. Those are our topics today. So-called because they don't absorb or reflect light. Which is why we can't see them. And why scientists know very little, assuming they know anything, about this invisible 95%. Well, they do know something, John. They, They confidently estimate that dark matter makes up more than 25% of the universe, and dark energy, about 70% of the universe, and they're confident of that. Well, whoop-de-doo. So science tells us that mysterious entity number one makes up a certain fraction of the cosmos, and mysterious entity number two makes up the rest. Basically, they tell us nothing. Thanks, science. Well, don't be so impatient. Uh, the, the, The science of dark matter and dark energy, they're just getting started. They're in their infancy. So what if they don't have all the answers right now? Don't be so impatient. Well, I don't want all the answers, but given how little scientists know, why are they so confident this dark stuff exists in the first place? Well, it's kind of like a cosmic detective story, John. Given all the matter that we can observe, the stuff that we know is there, we also know there has to be more. Because matter means gravity. Gravity holds uh, galaxies together. And without dark matter... This is not enough matter around to do the job. With dark matter, and only with dark matter, I gather there is enough uh, gravity to do the job. Sounds more like a ghost story than a detective story. At least ghosts say boo, so you know they're there. We can't explain galaxies by what we directly observe, so we posit some mysterious, unobservable things and give them names, and that does the explaining for us. Well, but wait a minute. That's just how science works. You observe a phenomenon, you measure some effects, then you posit some, yeah, hidden, unobservable causes of the observed effects. But you do more. You experiment. You do some experiments designed to confirm or disconfirm sometimes your hypothesis. That's what science does. 
Yeah, that's how we ended up with bogus scientific ideas like phlogiston. <laughs> phlogiston? Really? Come on. You can't be serious. You're not comparing dark matter with phlogiston. Well, yes, I am. The theory of phlogiston was popular among scientists in the 18th century. They thought it explained why things burned, something they didn't understand. So they burned because they released this fire-like element, phlogiston. Well, yeah, but, you know, that was a popular theory for a while, but thanks to the steady progress of science, by the end of the 18th century, that theory was completely discredited and replaced with our current theory that uh, of, of oxygen as the source of combustion. So I don't quite see what your point is, John. Well, how do we know that dark matter is not just a, another phlogiston-like fantasy of scientists that want to have something to say? Once oxygen was discovered, scientists realized that phlogiston was just something they made up to explain a phenomenon they didn't yet understand. Well, I'm, I'm not a physicist. I, I can't marshal all the evidence that they've gathered for dark matter or dark energy. And sure, you're right. Maybe there's still some controversy about the exact nature of those things. We haven't, we haven't known about this stuff for very long, but here's my guess. My guess is that dark matter and dark energy are not like phlogiston. They're like black holes. They're here to stay. We're going to progressively gather more knowledge about these things. Dark matter, black holes. Well, their names certainly sound similar. I think that's on purpose, John, because like dark matter, black holes were first posited because of their odd gravitational effects. Didn't directly observe them. People wondered if there really were black holes or if it was just some crazy idea that some scientists came up with uh, to make certain equations work out. Well, now... Everybody, everybody accepts the existence of black holes is uncontroversial. So you're trying to tell me I need to get on the right side of history to get on board with mysterious dark matter and energy. Yeah, I'm not trying to dismiss your skepticism altogether. It's sometimes good to be skeptical, but sometimes you got to, you know, you have to give in to the wonder of it all. Give yourself to the dark side, John. Give myself into the dark side. Okay, I will. Darth Vader, here I come. We sent our roving philosophical reporter, Shuka Kalantari, to explore dark matter and dark energy in films, like Star Wars and TV and books. She'll talk to a sci-fi author about how we might harvest these dark materials. She files this report. Dark matter and dark energy are everywhere. And even though we don't know much about either, we love to talk about them on TV. Guidance system? Online. Autopilot? Present. Dark matter indicator? Making a noise. All systems operational. Let's rock. That's the cartoon Futurama. And here's the popular TV show, The Big Bang Theory. We're going to be designing an experiment to look for the annihilation spectrum resulting from dark matter collisions in space. Ooh, dark matter. We better bring a flashlight. <laughs> Not to mention the Meryl Streep movie called Dark Matter. Looking at the stars... I'm looking at the dark matter. 99% of the universe, dark matter. Actually, it's 95%, and it's a blend of dark matter and dark energy. The other 5% is us. Stars, planets, galaxies. But even with those percentages, scientists don't really know what dark matter or dark energy is. Dark matter is kind of the, the missing piece in an equation that just doesn't work out. David Walton is a science fiction novelist and the author of Superposition, a sci-fi book about a man caught between parallel universes. Walton says the standing mystery of physics is, what is the universe actually made of? And since we don't know, we just call that dark matter. 
for a science fiction author, uh, this is a wide open door, right? Because it can be anything. And in science fiction, you can do most anything with dark matter, like harvest it. In the book and movie, The Golden Compass, dark matter is called dust, and it's harvested by torturing little children. So many worlds, but connecting them all is dust. Dust was here before the witches of the air, the Egyptians of the water, and the bears of the ice. The prevailing idea at this point is that um, dark matter is um, some kind of exotic particle, particle in the standard model of quantum physics, that um, we just have not uh, detected yet. Once detected, Walton says scientists can replicate dark matter to make huge quantities of usable energy. So that's one possibility. We could make it ourselves. The other possibility is that we could, of course, go out to wherever it is and, and get it. And that, of course, um, depends a lot on, on what it is. Another possibility is that dark matter is not really matter at all. We assume dark matter has mass because that's the foundation of our whole understanding of gravity in the universe. It's almost more exciting if it's not mass. If it's not mass, that means that there is something else that can deform space-time. Um, you can imagine a spaceship that uh, flies by having a uh, continuously moving gravity well in front of it um, that it just, uh, you know, is essentially continuously falling into the divot of space-time that it's moving in front of it and um, stealing all of the energy required for travel from the fabric of space-time itself. Um, <laughs> that would be something, uh, you know, really extraordinary. And extraordinarily hard to wrap your head around. Science fiction author David Walton says yet another idea is that dark matter could never be harvested because it's actually the pull of a much larger parallel universe. And maybe humans can leave this crowded little planet one day and resettle in this other universe. Until then, for Philosophy Talk, I'm Shuka Kalantari. You can listen to the rest of this program by purchasing it at iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.